Well, many of you know, we just uh, really two months ago had our first granddaughter. Woohoo! Everyone's doing well. Mom's getting some sleep. Dad's getting a little bit more. And uh, this last week, we had a chance for all of us to just converge in one place and sit down and slow down and let the world continue to go. And we just didn't do anything, actually. We sat there and just vegged out. And one night, it was late, our, our lovely bunches of cuddles was wired and didn't want to go to sleep with Grandma and Grandpa. And... I found myself doing, pulling out all the daddy tricks that I could remember and some that I had forgotten and remembered again. And uh, there was this one little moment for about five minutes where uh, I got her to be quiet. And uh, she started looking at the wall next to me. This is fascinating. Forgive me. I'll try not to do this every week. <laughs> it's just so new and fun. You forget the things that you, f that you used to know and you're reminded of them again, right? It's totally true. So we're sitting there, and she's looking at the wall, and I'm explaining to I'm increasing her vocabulary. I'm telling her what all these things are that I know she's never heard a word of. So that's a picture. That's a painting. That's a couch. That's a pillow. That's a blanket. That's a thermostat. And I kind of went through the whole room as I could see it, and I know I increased her vocabulary amazingly, and I know she understood all of these things. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> I do write my own comedy, you can tell. And then I ran out of things to describe and talk about, so I went to the craftsmanship of the wall, right? The sheetrock, the studs underneath, <laughs> the measuring and... Measuring again and cutting and remeasuring because you measured wrong and cutting again and, and screwing it on the wall and then the mudding and the taping and the sanding. I went through this entire process and I know I increased her vocabulary amazingly and she's going to, her first steps are going to be to go build something, I'm sure of it. And I finished off with a strong, now here's how you paint. You start at the top and you edge it and then you work your way down in case there's any spray marks or drip marks. And that's what makes the wall beautiful. Cora, And it was funny for me at one level because I'm explaining these things that are ridiculous. But then it, it dawned on me I had forgotten the craftsmanship that goes into making a wall look great. And that's the power of story. The power of story is that it, it takes the things that we know that aren't new... And it repurposes them in a way that captures our imagination. And we remember again the things that we knew, but we had forgotten. That's the power of story. Jesus was a master storyteller. He truly was. And he comes and he tells actually more stories in the form of parables than anyone else. That's the power of the scriptures. You know what a parable is, by the way? It's a funny word. We don't use it very much. Para means alongside of, and bull, I don't even know what that means. But a parable means to throw something down alongside of it. So a parable is, is just an intrusion in life. Isn't that funny? It's an intrusion in life. It's like you're walking down the street, and there's something thrown along down the side of the street, and you think, oh, hey, that's interesting. What's that doing there? 
I didn't anticipate that being there. And so we engage the world now in new ways. Why is that there? What's the purpose of that being there? What was the story behind that getting there? And our imagination is immediately drawn into something different, and it was totally spur of the moment, serendipitously. That's a parable, and that's how Jesus taught. That's the majority of the teachings of of Christ. And so parables get us, people, to see something that we've forgotten. We've known it all along, but we've misplaced the memory. And before we know it, we're involved in the story again, in a new way. And if we're lucky, we're involved in life again, in a new way. And a parable is interesting because it it keeps the message at a distance. It's kind of in the shadows. It just lurks. It's waiting to be discovered. Parable slows down our comprehension and it blocks automatic prejudices and those automatic reactions that we give in our life. And so sometimes it takes a baby or my granddaughter to awaken us to the things that we've always known but we've seemingly forgotten in our prime of sophistication. A parable comes up on us as listeners obliquely. It comes up on us slant. And that's what Jesus was, a master storyteller in the imaginative, parabolic world of slant. And today we're going to dig in to one of these short parables, and I'm going to say a word from the pulpit that I know I've never said from the pulpit again in the history past, and I hope I never have to say it again. Let's put it that way. Let's read this text first. Uh, It's a short little story, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. And then he told this parable. This is Jesus. He tells this parable, and I'm going to point out the word spend some time with you on it this morning. There was a man who had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Now, it's interesting, back in the day, if you were a successful person, you had three kinds of trees growing. You had a fig tree, an olive tree, and you had grapes on your property. That was the sign of a life of success. Mark, do you have any of those three? He doesn't. He's got grape. He's got a vineyard, actually. But that was the sign of success back in the day, if you had those three. So here's a man, he had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went away to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. Thank you for going back, yeah. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any yet. Cut it down. Why should I use up the good soil? Sir, the keeper of the property, the landscaper, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it, and here's our word, and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The reading of God's word. Let's pray. What a fun little tucked away in the gospel of Luke. On the last Sunday of 2017, we, we can't help but look back. 
last year, the last few years. And we also can't help but look forward to what the next year will have in store for us. We are a people of hope, and hope always pulls forward. And for that we are grateful. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the pungent aroma that exudes from this text, and may it give sustaining graces to us as persons and as a community of faith as we stand on the threshold of what was to what will be a new year. In your strong name we pray, amen. So there's that word in the text, fertilize it. Now it's been sanitized a tad bit. And I have to confess to you, I had a lot of fun thinking about titles for this message this morning. Because in the original language, the word fertilizer is not fertilizer. It's manure. Thank you. It's manure. Or more appropriately, you can fill it in. That's the word I'm not going to say. I do have some pastor friends that encouraged me to use that word, and I said, no, I'm not ready for the fact that you may not be ready for that word. It's manure. It's fertilizer. Throw a little fertilizer on it. Throw a little dung on it. I thought about titling this Dung Discipleship. (laughs) I also thought about a play on words with the word discipleship. But now we get into those really anxious areas, man, where I'm just not ready for those of you who aren't ready for it. And I didn't want it to detract from the message, which is throw a little manure on it. Right out of the Bible, throw a little manure on it. Really? Well, thankfully, I didn't write this. So as I've been here three years, this is an important text for me, actually. I read this text a few months ago, and I thought, wow, this is something that I need to live into. Been here three years. Made quite a few changes. We're on the verge of another new year. Isn't that an interesting paradigm in light of the text? Guy had been coming here for three years looking for fruit. Didn't find any. Not that I haven't. And he's ready to chop it down. He's ready to say, forget it, throw it away garbage it. Amputation. Really? No. How about a little manure? How about a little fertilizer? Just throw a little fertilizer on it. Let's let it go. Let's live into it. Let's lean into it. Sorry. Just a little bit. So I thought there's four reminders about ministry in an uber fast-paced world. Four reminders about ministry as we jump into 2018. And if you don't remember anything else, just remember this. Throw a little manure on it. Now you can take your nap. Because sometimes you just got to slow down and create some space for your soul to catch up to your body. That's the beauty of between Christmas and New Year. Just creating a little bit of space I think I needed a little bit more, I don't know about you, than those four or five days. But at least there's four or five days where we can create space to allow our soul to catch up 
to our body. And that's what this text allows us to do. Ah, manure. First reminder about ministry in an uber-fast world goes something like this. Ministry is a gentle solution, my friends. Ministry is a gentle solution. I don't know if you realize this, but store-bought fertilizers that we would go down to the hardware store today and purchase are filled with chemicals, and those chemicals are actually designed to kill the microbes in the soil. The fertilizers that we buy at the store are usually not organic. Now, of course, you can get manure, but who wants to buy gloves along with it and smell that stuff for a while? Store-bought fertilizers are based on killing things. They assault the earth. They take over, and they kill the microbes that are already in the soil. And manure is just the opposite. It throws a living organism, sorry, a living organism back into the soil. And I do have to tell you, I like the irony of that. One's invasive, and the other is a part of it. Ministry is organic. It takes a gentle solution to the complex anxieties of the world. Ministry is that gentle solution. Why? Because God's not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. We are. People are in a hurry. And so our part, according to the story, and I love this, just throw a little manure on it. Work it into the soil. Let the living organism of the manure fertilize an infertile soil. And so we till the ground and we prune the branches and we water the soil and we let God grow the dead back to life. Manure. Not only is ministry a gentle solution, it's slow. It's a slow process. And here's where I find it really almost comical. Uh, Ministry leaders today, they're meant to be superstars, almost charismatic superheroes, men and or women. There are spiritual leaders, so the world wants them to be, pretty much motivating everybody. We, mob- we want to be mobilized, motivated, energized for action, kind of like it's a high school pep rally. How immature, my friends, seriously. Pep rallies are great, but you can't live on a steady, dial of high sc- steady diet of high school pep rallies, can you? You can't. It leads to, <laughs> it leads to almost a bipolar spirituality. And if we don't get that buzz right away, chop it down. Who makes up these rules? That's manure. Thank you. It is. See, the power of this text is sometimes inaction and inactivity is the best action. Doing nothing. Let it go. Sometimes doing nothing is the actual work of doing. 
It's called restraint. And this story does it. It stops us cold in our tracks. Instead of goading us to action, it takes us out of the action so that there is room for God to act in God's time. We have to be careful as church people that we don't become like the culture of the world. The culture of the world wants results and wants them now. We got shareholders to report back to. Someone needs to be held accountable for this right here, right now. For our declining whatever. So we jump into action, chop it down, cut it down. Take her down, bring him down, dig that person or group up. Is that how we solve kingdom issues, amputation? Not according to this text. Not according to a slow church text. (laughs) It takes a long time to see if any of this stuff really actually works. That's fertilizer. That's manure. Well, it may take more than one year, even in the story, but let's just stay with the story, shall we? Let's just go at least one more year, shall we? One more year, throw a little manure. Let's see, let's spread some. So ministry is gentle, ministry is slow. Ministry is also an antidote to an infertile life. I don't know about you, sometimes you wake up and you're tired. Anybody here tired? Exhausted? Thank you for being honest and raising your hand. Spinning your wheels with no results or very few to show? Which definition of result do we buy into? Whose definition of success do we lean into? If life feels infertile, then maybe we just stop trying so hard. Maybe it's time to get out of your own way. Just let manure have its way. Fertilizer. Stop a little. Slow down. I give you permission right now to just say no to something. Even if it's church stuff. Just stop. Slow down. That's a good gospel message, isn't it? Just slow it down. What are we in such a hurry for? Why so much anxiety? Lighten up. So what if it's been three years? Might be five or six more, maybe ten. Might take a couple more before we see results. Have fun with life. Have fun with each other. Have fun with ministry. Let the manure do its job. Now, the interesting thing about this text is how organic it is. You know, there are things that we need to do. Short of chopping it down, till the soil, dig up some of the weeds, water it. There's certain things to put into our lives that are important to accompany that fertilizer. So we gather together on Sunday mornings in community and we worship a living God We take seriously scriptures that, even though they were written 
thousands of years ago, they still have meaning and message for us today. We put our nose in this thing, and it's an interesting paradox. If I put my nose in this text, I definitely can't read anything. Put my glasses on so I can put my nose in the text. We get into accountable relationships with each other, and we pray, we worship, we serve. Manure. Spread some. And the last observation about ministry that I think comes out of this text, and, and you might find more, and I encourage you to look for some more, because it's a very fertile text. <laughs> ministry defines success as faithfulness. Ministry defines success as faithfulness. Faithfulness is the church's definition of success. It doesn't matter if that church has been around for seven years or 107 years. Success is defined in faithfulness. Faithfulness to the call of God to be and do church in the way God has called PPC to be and do church. It's different. It's not like the megachurches down the street. It's not. You know, we live in the shadows of the second fastest growing church in the United States. If you define success in numbers, they took in 2,000 new members last year, just down the street. We have a preschool on our campus with that name. Yeah. Success, maybe. Depends how you define it. You know, faithfulness to the call of God. Whenever I read this thing, that's how I see God defining success. Faithfulness against all odds. So no, I'm not going to define success as buildings or budgets or butts in the pew. I'm going to define success totally differently than that. I'll define it with this wonderful word called faithfulness because that word is fertile. To love all people to life in Jesus Christ, to be relational, to be relevant, to be bold. Heck, I think we've lived into that significantly over the last three years. How about one more year? Let's throw a little manure on it and go one more year. It's probably going to take more than three or four before we get to one more year. That's ministry. That's faithfulness. Any expectation other than that is just, that's just manure. What we're going for is manure. That's why this text is, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, this text is important to me as a pastor. It's not about most of the ways in which the world defines success. And there are a few who say, chop it down now. To me, that's just manure. Not so quick. We got manure called the Spirit, 
of the living God. That's bold. So I have a question for you, probably two, maybe more, but we want to go home because some of you don't feel well. Can we go one more year? You want to go one more year? How about 10? Who said that? Reverend Roy. Yeah, friends, let's go one more year. That's not a bad, that's not a bad resolution on the eve of 2017. Let's just go one more year, you know? I like what I see when I look out here on Sunday mornings. I truly, truly do. One more year. I have another question. It's not in the worship notes or the sermon notes, but I, I really do want to ask you this honestly. Um, one of the things that I miss about, well, there's a few things I miss about Seattle. One of the things I miss is in our old home we had, we gardened a lot. Don took care of the window boxes, and I took care of pretty much everything else. But we had this 75-foot-long, 4-foot-wide plot of dirt, and I planted a perennial garden over the years, and I was constantly tweaking it, and it was layered. It was really pretty. I actually still have photographs of it. I, I really loved that garden. The interesting thing about gardening is it's not just about spreading fertilizer. You know, it's about tilling the soil and, and uh, pruning it at the right time. And I truly miss President's Day weekend because President's Day weekend was the weekend or thereabouts when you would go out and you would prune your rose bushes so that you'd have a full rose bush the rest of the year. So my question for you is this. What do you need to prune out of your life right now? Because in order for a bush to be healthy and whole and full, there, there has to be pruning. You gotta, we have to say no. So I'm going to give you permission to say no and that's a hard thing to do in church ministry because there's this jump from a person asking you to say no or to say yes to something, and we always equate it with God. And I think God wants faithfulness more than he wants a yes to something. So I'm going to give you permission to say no to something. So my question is, what are you going to say no to? That's not in the notes, that's extra. And the third one, it's, it's a little bit more fun. Um, it's not just spreading manure into the stuff that we've lined up, but it's giving you permission to say no in order to say yes to something else. And the yes to something else is where might you consider spreading your fertilizer this next year. It's, it's got to be a new place, new people, somebody you've never met before, somebody that doesn't know God personally. Where are you being called to spread your <laughs> stuff? Manure. 
So this has been a, a funky message, hasn't it? Are there any visitors here? Oh, my gosh. So what an interesting text, though, out of the Bible. Uh, manure. Can I just say that one more time? Because I'm probably never going to say that again. Um, friends, we're, we're, it's about man- <laughs> It's really funny. We're not taping this, are we? It's about manure according to this text. Four verses. Craziness. Craziness. One more year? One more year. Let's pray. Fertility in an infertile world. Faithfulness in a results-oriented world. Peace in an anxious world. Love in a chop-it-down world. Grace in a get-rid-of-it-now day. Compassion in a haves-versus-have-not world. Church, as a movement of God's people, that stands in opposition to all things world. One more year. Throw a little manure on it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In your name we pray. How about I just say amen? Stand with us as we. You have one more song?